Hi, I'm Jeffrey Heil from the Partial Credit Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the podcast you're listening to now. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of each individual host. Be sure to check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Some of you love them, some of you hate them. No matter how you feel, you have to create them. Today, we're talking lesson planning. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day. Except you will have more fun with Chris Nessie, AJ Bianco, and me, Stacey Lindis. Hello, podcast people. Welcome to another episode of Podcast PD. Thank you for joining us and making this podcast part of your anytime, anywhere professional development. My name is Chris Nessie, and I am joined as always, by AJ Bianco, and unexpectedly tonight, by Stacy Lindis. AJ, what's going on, buddy? Chris, Stacy, and uh, our listeners out there, hope everybody's doing well. Things on my end are, are, are exciting as I'm gearing up. Well, when you hear this, it'll be first week of school, but I'm gearing up getting ready for first day of school this week. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. We're recording this on a Labor Day Eve. So that's exciting. <laughs> can, you hear the exci- can you hear the excitement? Yeah, yeah. Everyone the weekends by making us record the podcast. <laughs> it's not even that you're making us record the podcast. It's that summer is officially over here in New Jersey. Once tomorrow is over. Real quick, I learned uh, from Kate that September is called local summer here at the Jersey Shore because the weather is still nice and I don't have to worry about other people coming to the beach. Oh my God, it's so true. And if you think about it, calendar-wise, summer is not over until almost the end of September, people. That's right. So I'm with her. I like local summer. <laughs> so Stacy, you are should be relaxed and refreshed and you look sort of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And that's because in your mind, it's, let's see, what's uh, 10 minus 3? It's 6.52. Yeah, it's, it's like 6 o'clock for you. Go ahead. Uh, tell us the story. Yeah, so I um, I just got back this morning, actually, from um, a one-week cruise in Alaska, and um, it was absolutely amazing. And I have to say, um, it's really hard being home today, not because the cruise is over, but I'm like catching up on TV and stuff, and just like chilling and not listening to podcasts. And um, every time a commercial comes on and I don't watch a lot of commercials because I DVR everything, but every time a commercial comes on, it is a Norwegian cruise line commercial. And that's the cruise line that we took and it's for the ship that I was on. And it's just, it's, it's been very painful. I actually cried today. I'm I'm, like really sad. I I left a couple of things in our stateroom and um, it was just very, uh, it was a little stressful. I think I'm just feeling the stress of being a little tired, but um, I adjust well to time change like that. 
even at my age now. And Robbie adjusted really well. We were both up at six o'clock this morning, even after getting home after one. So hopefully going back to school on Tuesday will not be a bear or anything for me to like jump over. But I have to say, boys, if you ever get a chance to go to Alaska, do it. It was phenomenal. How was the weather? A lot better than it was here in New Jersey, from what I'm hearing. Um, You guys had some really, really hot days, and I didn't have anything over 70. Um, That's not really my kind of weather. I prefer the heat, but not the heat that we had this week here in New Jersey, where I saw that it was like 100, 105 feeling. So that's that's a bit nutty. Um, One of the days... Our excursion was kind of um, dampered because it was super rainy and then super foggy. So we didn't get to see the glacier that we were supposed to see. And that was a bit disappointing. But, you know, it's just another reason to go back to Alaska at a later date when I'm older and I don't want to go kayaking and go on those types of excursions. And I just want to, like, sit and listen to people talk at me. But we had a great time. We did very active excursions. We really, really, really had a blast. Yeah. So is that why you weren't expecting me, Chris? Did you think I would be super jet lagged? I I thought you might be jet lagged. So we were not going to hold you to any sort of high standard to to make the recording. But we're glad you're here, of course. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think this is like the perfect um, unofficial ending of summer break. We'll call it that. And uh, the unofficial beginning to another school year. And that's what we're talking about, right? Like the not so fun part of what we do as educators. Um, I have to say, I'm not really responsible for lesson planning very much, but you guys are. But before we get to that, you guys had an update, right? Yeah. So if you remember correctly, our uh, last episode, we had went in and talked about student teaching and uh, the fact that Chris and I were very excited for uh, getting student teachers. And unfortunately for me, my situation has changed a little bit beyond anything I can control. My student teacher has a new placement. She will not be with me this year, uh, but I do wish her luck going forward with her placement. And I hope uh, some other time that I'm in the classroom that I will have the opportunity to have another student teacher. But I know, uh, Chris, you still are with yours and, and you guys met, well, met outside the classroom since we last spoke. Yeah. Well, we met actually we met in my classroom uh, in my district. Student teachers are required to attend new teacher orientation like a new hire would to the district. Oh, really? Yeah, which is nice. So he was at the school for four days at the end of August. And on the last day, when actual new teachers who are hired, they get to go to their schools, get their classroom set up so they get a little little advanced time to do that. So I arranged to go up to the school also with my in-class support teacher, Brian. And we set up the classroom, got to meet him, got to talk, and I've already started the process of, hey, Luke, his name is Luke, you are, you're it on day one. Basically, we looked at his timeline for like what they say it should be a week one, week two, all the way through the end of semester. And Brian and I looked at his calendar and we're like, yeah, you're going to learn trial by fire and we're going to support you, but we're going to get you involved right from Jump Street basically on the first day of school, we're throwing him right in. Not to to teach, but to be part of, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, engaging the students uh, in those first few days of school. So he's not just going to be sitting in the back or off to the side taking notes. We're going to get him involved right from the get-go. 
So it, it was nice. We got the room set up, gave him complete control over arranging the room. And he, he bounced some ideas off of us and he's, he's excited and he's good to go. And he's got a lot of energy. So we're really looking forward to it. I'm a little jealous that your student teacher came at the beginning of the year, because I feel like they have so much to learn about when you have a spring placement for student teaching, you don't get that experience at all. And I think that so much of, like you said, the rapport building and the getting to know you happens at the start. And it's really weird to come in January, not impossible, just weird. I mean, I've done it before where I've, I've taken over a class in January and had to start from scratch, but it's just a completely different feel. And I don't think with spring placements, you even understand that the notion of like setting up a classroom and the kind of work that goes into it and the decision-making and stuff. Yeah. At least I know I didn't. And and actually one thing he asked when we were telling him like, Hey, we're going to get you up on the stage, so to speak, or get the spotlight on you uh, right from the beginning. He kind of said like, well, why? Well, how, like, how does that benefit me? And, and I basically told him, well, I could have you sit on the sideline for a week or two weeks, but you're going to go out next year. You're going to get your job and you're going to go in in September of 2019. And now you're going to have to make it up. I said, why don't you get that experience now with the safety net of having myself and the in-class support teacher and just go for it. And then you can draw and reflect on that for when you get your first job and you are an actual first year teacher next September. So he, that, that helped him buy into it and not be so scared. So that's my update. And I guess throughout the, uh, the coming episodes, I'll, do, I'll give a little bit of a, an update on the adventures of Luke, the student teacher. <laughs> Love it. So did you and Luke talk about lesson planning and um, what we're going to talk about tonight, which involves um, student engagement and classroom environment? Luke and I did talk about lesson planning. He was very interested in what I did last year in terms of doing uh, thematic units in social studies. So he, it's actually funny. He said, you know, Oh, thematic instruction. That's something I've heard about. And we've only talked about the theory of that in the classes I've taken. The fact that you did it and and I I can try that. Like it, it seemed like it's basically like, it looks, it sounds good on paper. I want to see what it's all about. So we're going to obviously co-plan lessons and, you know, do the group work and the project-based learning and he's going to get to design the projects and really get hands-on again from day one, doing that type of planning and creating that type of environment for learning for the students. That's cool, especially the thematic teaching, because I really don't think that um, I fully understand it, even through all of the side conversations we've had about it. So maybe one day we can really um, dive deep in it, have Luke on. Once he feels comfortable talking about it and you two can talk about what that looks like. So I did a little bit of research from the almighty Wikipedia and Wikipedia tells us the following about a lesson plan quote, a lesson plan is a teacher's detailed description of the course of instruction or quote, learning trajectory unquote for a lesson. A daily lesson is developed by a teacher to guide class learning. But, and now this is me breaking in, planning involves so much more, as we all know. Uh, Today, we're going to be exploring the classroom environment and developing that positive student-teacher relationship that should come out through how we plan and design our instruction in our lessons. So what do we want to tackle first, the classroom environment or those student-teacher relationships? 
let's talk about how it's not what I thought it was, which I think maybe what AJ thought it was when, when the topic was brought up was, you know, doing SOPA, right? Standards, objectives, procedures, and assessment. You know, your traditional, like, this is what you write. So mm-hmm. it's it's more about the thoughtfulness that goes into lesson planning, which I actually found much more meaningful than like, first I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. It was more like, how am I going to get my kids involved? And which I understand is all part of that process. But when you think about it from a kid pers- perspective or a student perspective, depending on your age group, um, it can definitely change your mindset about what lesson planning is. So let's talk about... um. Let's talk about building positive relationships since you and Luke are going to be doing that first thing anyway. Well, in a sense, AJ is going to build positive relationships on day one. You continue to forge relationships with the teachers that you coach. So AJ, what is, what is the ideal relationship you want to create with your students? And and then I'll go. The ideal relationship that I want my students uh, I, I want my students to know I'm in control and it's my classroom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never, never want that in my classroom. No, you I, will I mean, learn. <laughs> you will sit there and you will listen. All right. Sorry. Um, honestly, my classroom, the relationships that I want to build, I just want them to really build trust in me and trusting each other as classmates. You know, they're going to use each other as a resource and I want them to make sure that they are comfortable learning from me, learning from each other. So I think we have to uh, not not only feel like comfortable and safe environment, but just one that you can say whatever you want and you're not going to be judged in any way. So like for me, I'm standing in front of the classroom and they should be able to know, okay, Ms. Bianco is done talking and now it's my turn to do everything I need to do and rely on these people next to me as we are one class, one team, (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I can add to that. Everything you just said is something I agree with, but I think that it starts with us as the teachers, you know, being the example. So in my classroom, I talk about having a growth mindset and for ninth graders, at least that's, I mean, using a buzzword, like, you know, have a growth mindset that can sound intimidating to them. So I then have to kind of model that in terms of asking questions and not, you know, shutting them down or, you know, you know, intimidating them or, you know, picking on them. Well, I mean, I do pick on the kids sometimes, but it's, you know, in in good fun, (laughs) um, showing them how to do that. And I I think that comes from us being good examples. I agree. And I'm right there with you when you said that, you know, you agree with everything AJ said, I was going to say ditto, because I really do think that, um, we not only need to make our students or our learners, like I'm trying to use the word learners a little more, um, a little more thoughtfully as, you know, the teachers with whom I'm working are not students. Although the way that I interact with them is definitely through a learning together type thing, which is another reason to say learners. Right. And, um, Anyway, I digress. So the learners with whom I'm working, I I try to make sure that um, they recognize that we are equals, which may not be something that you have in your own classroom, but it's certainly something that I need to make clear with my teachers. And um, I like to try to reinforce that, you know, I may come with 
some expertise in the area of technology and they may have more expertise in that area as well, but they usually will certainly have greater expertise in their content area. And, um, you know, I just, I like to foster an environment that is collaborative and has a lot of give and take is a safe space to, like you said, AJ, you know, make the mistakes and Chris, you know, learn from those mistakes and, and recognize that there is always a possibility to grow in an area where you feel that you have a deficit or where you um, may not feel as comfortable. You know, a couple of years ago, my word was yet. If I could just instill that word in half the teachers with whom I'm working, I'd be a happy tech coach. Yeah. You know what? I think it's an important word though. I, I mean, walking through the hallways of my uh, son's school, he's starting kindergarten. You know, there's the growth mindset right on, on the uh, right on the wall when you walk in. So when you're looking at it, maybe as a parent, you know, that word is extremely important because you may not be an educator and you don't think about that word yet. You know, it's just, well, just keep going, just keep going, just keep pushing along. And then you, you don't know the why, right? The why is our yet. We have to make sure that our students are focused on that point that, okay, I can't do this or I'm done with this. You know, I think that growth mindset and that idea of yet, you know, and you can even, Chris, if you want to maybe edit this and put a little uh, Sesame Street song, The Power of Yet. It's the power of yet. Yet, yet, yet. It's the power of yet. Yet, 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 yet. Ready, get set. It's the power of yet. Break it down now. Right? And as much as you want to just keep saying the word over and over again, as annoying as the word yet might be, you know, I think putting it in and figuring out how students can continuously grow so that yet is ingrained in them and then it becomes very important. Well, let's take the idea of yet and everything we've talked about. How do we actually put that? And this is more for AJ and I, Stacy. again, you don't do formal lesson plans, but very rarely, very rarely. How do we, or AJ, how do you put this inside of how you plan units or daily lessons? When I continue to plan, or even if it's not planning, but it's creating, you know, a project, let's just go with that, with the personalized learning journey that my students have been working on. Um, I like to use tools a, a number of times. So maybe not the same tool, like, like project after project, but I would like to throw it in there because maybe they did something with uh, Google Sites. Maybe they made a site that they liked, but they didn't love. And they presented it. So I'd give them another opportunity in another project where they can continue to build a site or fix a site or add to slides, something. You know, I like to use that aspect that, you know, you've done this before. Maybe you did it nicely. Maybe you want to do it better. So for everything that we do, I continuously throw in little pieces of other projects they've done so they can continuously improve and feel good about what they're creating. Right. I think that contributes to the idea of in a classroom, we want to be building up our students, you know, not grading them or providing feedback that will tear them down or knock them down or, you know, make them feel bad about themselves as learners. But how can we continuously work to build them up and, again, have them feel that they can do? And if they can't do it right now, they will get to a point when they can. So, Stacey, what does it look like for you? as an instructional coach 
when you're planning PD sessions and, and working with the adult learner? Um, I think much like it is in the classroom, you have to take in the different variables of where your learners are. Um, and when it comes to technology, which I'm sure you guys have experienced this and anyone who has used any type of technology in their classroom has experienced this, technology is one of those things where it runs the gamut and the range can be people's you know experience with the, with their usage of technology can be all over the place. And I have found in my years in doing this that for the most part, um, the teachers with whom I work and the adult learners with whom I'm working, they're not good self-assessors of their areas of expertise. I've seen that play out over and over and over again, where, you know, two people who aren't quite so confident can coach each other in a way that I may be unsuccessful in my words. It's like when kids teach or, you know, when kids explain the mathematical thought process differently than how I explained it. And for some reason, you know, that seven-year-old language or that eight-year-old language totally clicks because they're speaking each other's language and um, they can go through those thought processes in the same way. So when I'm planning, I try really, really hard to make sure that I am creating not only possibilities for success, but that I'm leveling things so that it's differentiated for all of the different learners, right? And the other thing with tech that I try to keep in mind is um, that while demonstration is really great and some teachers really like the, like, first you do this, then you do this, then you do this, I have found that when you throw teachers or adult learners into the experience of the technology and they figure it out, they have a higher success rate in remembering the process. I think the bigger thing that you do is you kind of build a little bit of community where it's not just all on your shoulders to make it happen for the teachers and their learning, but you try to incorporate them and we're a community of learners and it's not just you that is smart. You go to that whole idea of, you know, it's the room, it's, it's the group you're working with that together you're going to make the learning happen. When that community exists, it's much more successful. And I have found that my most successful community in general is my world language teachers or my content area teachers when they are together. They really, really work well. That's how I look at it in my mind in my classroom. And sometime in the first few days, I'll make it clear that, you know, sure, I'm, I'm Mr. Nessie. I'm your social studies teacher, but I, I am not the be all and end all when it comes to history and social studies. I'm not the smartest person in this room by myself. And I say out loud to my, my classes, you know, we are going to do this together and together we will become smarter and there will be things that I teach you and there will be things that all of you will teach me and each other. So I can summarize it because I, I, I live it and I do it. Well, I live it and do it. I've just never really thought about what makes that successful. So I wrote it down. Community of learners. What I would call the first six weeks of school, but what you guys and previous episodes have talked about um, just being like those first few days, right? Like setting a good example, being a role model, which we've already talked about, but like how you're going to handle disruptions and, and, you know, correcting misbehaviors and having your consequences um, laid out for those behaviors. And I don't know about you, but I know when I was in the classroom 
with with my little people. Um, we built all of that together through Responsive Classroom, which I, again, am putting out a plea. If you are a Responsive Classroom expert or you know somebody, please, 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 please send us direct message via Twitter or send us an email. Chris will talk about that at the end of the show where you can get in touch with us. But um, I would now, love to... I need to dispute this for a second with you because... What? Well, not you, the literal you, but the idea of when you say, you know, when you basically elementary school teachers, no offense, but would you make or have your multiple periods come up with multiple sets of expectations and rules? But you have multiple periods. I'm just taking it from a different perspective. No, no, no. But, but I'm saying that that's a very common perspective where, you know, you know, the, the flexible seating and, and these, you know, Pinterest approved classroom or Pinterest certified classrooms. It's like, I can't do that in a social studies classroom at the high school level with freshmen. And if I'm speaking out of turn and you think I'm wrong, whether it's you guys or you who's listening, please let me know because I'm not going to come up with and sit and have each of my six classes come up with the rules of the classroom six different times for the individual groups. Although, although maybe doing that is what makes you a super distinguished teacher if you get six different versions of the same thing. I would feel schizophrenic, I think, if I had to do that. But remember, I spend my whole day with one class. I really I really think that student input is important. But I see your point, Chris. You're not going to have six different sets of rules. But if for some reason, like, your second period class comes in and they're like, hey, we need the room to be set up this way, let that happen, right? Like, you wouldn't not let that happen. I don't think you would because you're, you're not like that. <laughs> right. No, no. It, I, I could certainly do that. But it's like... I was going more for, I'm not going to have like six different versions of classroom expectations posted or whichever class is coming in, that's the expectations like I show or something. Which honestly, Chris, is why I think responsive classroom doesn't go outside of the middle school and that it works really, really well in middle schools that team where there's like the teaming philosophy and the kids, you know, move among the same four to five teachers throughout the day. Do you know what I mean? Then this way your team has like a level of expectations and then the individual teachers can have differences or different expectations as far as like things that happen in their rooms. But the expectations for work and things like that would be pretty consistent. That's what I mean. I understand. AJ, what are your thoughts on creating a non-threatening learning environment? We, we talked about this already. We want the kids to come in and feel like they belong there. So if it's set set up in a classroom that students are comfortable and they know the teacher and they understand what it stands for, they shouldn't feel threatened by anything around them, whether it is inside the classroom or an outside force. You know, I know in today's society, we're looking at other ideas of safety and security, you know, but from, from jump, day one, the students are in that classroom you need to make sure that you've got their back no matter what happens. If a little incident goes on where they feel uncomfortable that you can knock it out. You know, um, you know I, I think you have to have that plan going forward as well, whether you're a new teacher or a veteran teacher, I think you need to make sure that you are showing our students exactly what it is that what a classroom should look like and what it's going to be like every day. Uh, there should be no reason, <laughs> no reason at all that students feel like they don't belong 
in your classroom. Whether they're introverted, whether they're extroverted, they belong. Agreed. And it kind of goes with um, this point that we have here about establishing procedures and some consistency, whether it's consistency in, you know, reinforcing those procedures and classroom rules or, you know, just consistency in what the day can look like. And I am not saying don't don't um, have like those unexpected days or, you know, those days where you get to, you know, be pirate like and change things up. I'm just saying like, like you're saying, you know, your kids should come in, know that it's going to be safe. And no matter what you do for the day, you're going to have their best interests at heart and that you're there for them for academic and non-academic reasons. Chris, what else do you think makes for a positive classroom environment? Whether it's 50 years ago or 50 years from now, I think the tone is always going to be set by the teacher. And one thing I learned early on in my career is that oftentimes our classrooms or our space in the, in our job, uh, we need to be able to kind of check things from the outside at the door. I'm not saying don't be real or don't be authentic with your kids, but if you're having a bad day, not to necessarily drag down the students you work with and kind of pull them down, but to kind of maybe feed off of their positive energy. And uh, that, that might even help you if there's something you're dealing with to, you know, you, you've got some people in front of you and, you know, m- maybe you can share something to some degree, but um, to kind of make sure that your environment does stay a positive place for the learner. Wait, wait, wait. I have two thoughts on that. So let's start with the last one that you were talking about where um, the the environment stays positive. So that's like a crazy contradiction to how you feel about like Twitter and being real. So you don't think that like if you're having a bad day, your kids should see that like sometimes we're not perfect. I think or, I, and I, I'm I'm not saying one thing or the other. I'm just wondering. I'm truly wondering like someone else post actually my friend Katie posted this on either Facebook or Twitter where she said, you know, let kids know that you are also a human being and that you're not just some robot with like a smile on your face all of the time. We should have her on the show. I just know what she would talk about, except that she's awesome. I I think that, that that's correct. I I am. What's correct. That we should be real or that we should, we should be real. But even in letting that be real, like, I think not being real would be I come in, I'm visibly not my regular happy self, so to speak. And students ask what's wrong. You say nothing and kids aren't dumb. They can, they can feed off of that energy. So I I think it's important that you don't want to dump on them what's going on in your life. But if you want them to be able to come in and comfortably say to you, Hey, Mr. Bianco, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm just having a bad day today, you know, so please don't call on me for anything. I just, you know, just let me be. And, right. you know, I'm assuming AJ would say something like, okay, you know, cool. You know, if you need to talk more, you know, I'm here for you, that kind of thing. Um, d- does that clarify? And, and, yes. But, but, but for us to do that as, as the tone setter in the room. Right. So then my other point was, so you're saying like you set the tone in your classroom, you and and again, I've only had limited experience with having multiple classes in one day, but you don't think that like each class comes with its own personality? Oh, absolutely. It does. And they oh, okay. change on a dime. 
Right. So do, does that, that has to affect how you teach that class compared to like how you would teach other classes. Does it not? I like to think that based on my style of teaching and how I engage my students that I, I again, it, it fluctuates. You know, I, I try to be happy and upbeat. I'm open about if I'm not, but I try to bring out the humor in each of my classes, but that's just my personality. Right. Okay. So I see what you're saying about setting the tone. All right. But you acknowledge what I'm saying about each class having its own personality. Absolutely. And, and I a okay. thousand percent agree that each class does. And those personalities like them as individuals, they can change on a dime. Oh, for sure. They can change when someone's not there. Yes. <laughs> I experience that on a daily basis. Well, you know, AJ, what's that look like at the middle school level? <laughs> yeah, no, middle school, there's no emotion involved at all with our students. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no emotions at the middle school. No, I, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I got to be honest, there are times where I have students come in from other classes like, oh, period three says that they're their, they're your favorite class because they get to do this, this and this. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we joke around, we get our work done and they're moving on to the next thing. You guys are here and, you know, you don't have the same, you don't have the same mentality as them. I'm like, you don't work as hard as they do. You know, this, this class does this, this class does that. I don't give them the examples that way as much as I, you know, it's not giving you guys, but. This is what you're thinking? Yeah, it's what I'm thinking. Of course, it's what I'm thinking. Like, I know exactly why I can joke around with them and why I still have 15 minutes of the class. I'm like, oh, you guys have done all your work. I've got nothing else for you. So let's do trivia, you know, something like that. Yeah. Right. You know, so. Like, like I had a class last year where I had this kid, I'll call him Anthony, and I would say I taught him, again, block schedule. 180 days divided by two. So 90 days I saw this kid. I think out of those 90 days, I had a different nickname that I would call him like 70 of those 90 days. Like I could just, like I actually told this kid, you'll be the reason that in four years I've come to my first graduation in this school because like he was just a really cool kid. And I could, we could, we would verbally pick on each other, but like like in a playful way and we had a great rapport right. and and that came from dealing with him and that translated into how his whole class operated and it, it was he was just a lot of fun to have in class so can i ask this might be like a different kind of a tangent but because you live this and richie has talked about this um my middle schooler he talks about how one of his teachers picks on his one class um because you know He'll ask a question, nobody responds, and then he gets mad. But then, like, other times he'll get mad if they're chatty about something else. Anyone know what this is, class? Anyone? Anyone? (laughs) Anyone seen this before? (laughs) And he knows that because he was Ferris Bueller for Halloween last year. My little old soul. But, um, like... Like, what do you do, AJ, when, like, a class is so different and, like, you're trying to inject some enthusiasm or excitement into it. I I think exactly what Chris said before. I think I just try to bring my personality into it and I try to use more humor or more excitement. I mean, I know a lot of kids don't, they don't like to match up with my excitement because yay, social studies. All right. Um, But no, I mean, the way I present myself to the class and, and how I have them do things, I try 
I, I try to use my personality, bring out their personality. You know, I might find the one kid who I know will respond well to me and maybe use them as an example. Uh, mm-hmm. Or I might find the one group who I know, you know, they're tough nuts to crack, but I know that maybe talking about a TV show or sports, something like that, just to get them back in the, in the comfort zone. Right. Might be the way to open it up. Like, it's not always going to be, you know, I guess we'll just say it rainbows and unicorns in my classroom. So there'll be days where the kids just don't want to match up. They don't want to listen to me and they don't want to, they don't want to hear me. You know, there's still right. days. That's the way school is. Right. We see that. It's not even that they're kids and, and that they're students. I, I think, and I remember talking about this with my dad on, on the podcast, uh, you know, we're human beings, you know, there, there's 30 different personalities interacting with my one personality. And I got to interact with each of those personalities over six classes, you know, and, and you know, having the in-class support teacher. So there's all these different dynamics and from human to human, I'm not going to, I don't like every kid. Every kid doesn't like me and right. to, to expect it to be, I like everybody, everybody likes me. That's an unrealistic expectation for any teacher that, you know, and if a kid doesn't like you, who cares? They don't have to like you. They have to learn. <laughs> I do. That, that it, it bothers me a little bit. You know, when you know that there's one kid sitting there who's like, that kid just doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> it bothers me. I got to be honest with you. It bothers me. It bothers me when I know there's a kid there who just doesn't like me. Maybe it's the content. Maybe it's, maybe it's how I run the class. It, it, it bothers me that I just can't reach a specific student for whatever reason. It does bother me at, at different points, but it, those relationships, they ebb and they flow. You know, th- there was a student last year who, you know, we were good and then we weren't good and then we were good again. Yeah, that's different though than the kid who's like, you just know that kid is just not liking anything that you're presenting in this class. Maybe they just don't like social Ever. studies. Right. I don't want to say they hated coming to school, but like I was not their reason for coming to school. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think I should ever be their reason for coming to school, but I see what you're saying when it's like the connection's not there. So you wonder like, what are they taking away from the learning that's supposed to be happening in your classroom as well? You know, Stacey, you say that. And I feel like I just read a tweet in the last, I'd say 24 to 48 hours about be the teacher that, you know, you might be somebody's reason for, you know, filling the, you know, something along the lines of what you said, but like, you're not a great teacher unless you blank one of those. Right. I don't know. I mean, I understand I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea, whether they're little people or adults. And, and I'm with age reconciling that and being okay with that. And I think that that's fine. You know, not everyone's my cup of tea either. Speaking of reconciling, let's see if I can summarize what we've talked about tonight. And that, Yes, we start out by talking about the idea of the lesson plan and how we are setting things up in our classroom. But would you guys agree or disagree that what we've talked about tonight, is it evident in a written lesson plan that we are making these decisions and making these things happen? Does this show up? I, personally, I don't think it does. What do you guys think? No, which is why when I looked at the show notes as they were prepared prior to our discussion, I didn't know that it was going to be all that engaging or that I would have a lot to add because again, I thought SOPA, you know, 
standards, objectives, procedures, um, assessment. And, you know, that's the work that you do for someone else. It's not the work that you do for you or your kids. Some of the work that you do in that is for you and your kids, but so much more of the thinking and the thought processes that happen outside of that written document are what the kids benefit from. So definitely beyond the scope of the formal lesson plan. Absolutely. But I will tell you, depending on your, um, your evaluation model, it could be part of your evaluation when you are observed. Oh, no doubt. All this stuff, all this stuff shows up in Danielson. I'm sure it shows right, up in Marzano. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. And so then you always know that, something to be thinking of. I was just to say that, and you know that the day you get observed is the day some of the stuff doesn't show up, but you do it every other day. <laughs> That's when you get to say, hey, Mr. Bianco, I'm not feeling it today. You mind going back a different day? <laughs> All right. So everything we talked about, consider this to be part one of a two-part conversation where in our next episode, we will discuss how we begin lessons and set students up for that success. And something that I think is all important is how do we maintain the attention of our students? And I know Stacy's going to have some stuff to say about that because teaching the adult learner can be very challenging because I will readily admit that sometimes I make the worst student. <laughs> but you and me both. Con <laughs> consider that a teaser for episode 36. Now we're going to chat about what we are listening to as we come near the end of this episode and I will go first, which means I'm ready and they are not. So, and they better start writing because all I can say about what I'm listening to is I am, as I haven't started school at the time of this recording, I am simply looking forward to just commuting again and going to work and having my 45 minutes to an hour in the car both ways. So I can get on my regular podcast listening schedule because it's really tough when miles and Colton wake up at five thirty, six o'clock, in July and August and want waffles and pancakes and sausage and eggs sometimes all at the same time, but it makes it really tough to listen to the podcast. I normally listen to in the morning. Oh my God. So, that's when I would listen while I'm making those waffles and eggs and blah, blah, blah. No, but then they're talking to you. Oh, my kids just wait for the food to appear. Wait until they get older. Col Colton will ask me at six o'clock in the morning. How's your day, daddy? <laughs> and my answer is <laughs> it just started. Talk to me in a few hours. That's awesome. He actually woke me up the other day. Like he came and he like nudged me. He's like, good morning, daddy. How's your day? <laughs> it was cute. AJ, what have you been listening to? So I've been bouncing around and trying to catch up with a lot of different uh, podcasts and episodes and all those different things. But uh, the most recent one I listened to, uh, give a shout out to uh, Danny Sunshine Bauer. And Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Um, oh, you listened to the episode I was on? I was in episode 160, <laughs> which was Everyday Instructional Coaching. Oh, with, no, that, that uh, wasn't the one I was on. Nope, that wasn't you. No, that wasn't you. I should listen to that one. Yeah, no. So it's with uh, Dr. Nathan Langrad, and uh, he's the author of Everyday Instructional Coaching. And uh, he wrote this book where he's basically talking about the ideas behind instructional coaching and what makes it effective. Uh, Stacey, I think it's a great listen, especially if that's, you know, your, your deal. 
which for you it is. I really, I really enjoyed the the aspects he had with with what made it effective, and also he talks about the misconception of collaboration. So listen to that episode. I listened to Dr. Langrad on Danny's episode 160, and then I listened to him also on our buddy Dan Krinus's the Leader of Learning podcast. So listening to him in both places, his message is very clear, and it is a book that I am interested in. So I might add that to uh, the Amazon cart and, and figure out the ideas of instructional coaching. Even though I'm not a coach in that manner, I still am a mentor teacher. So I feel like that all kind of falls in place when you're looking to help build other people around you. And Chris, I will get to the episode that you were on. I promise. Cool. And you'll then have to listen to uh, a Dan Krinus episode of Leader of Learning because I'll be on that one in a couple of weeks. Spoiler. Look at you getting around. It's about time. And actually, AJ, thank you for spoiling that episode because I was hoping to listen to that tomorrow when I'm doing sausage and eggs and bacon. <laughs> I'm not spoiling. You're going to enjoy it. I'm telling you. Okay. I, I, that it's next up in my queue uh, in my education category on Overcast. All right, Stacy, what have you been listening to? So, I think that this is one of the best ideas for a podcast out there because it lends itself so readily to content creation. And Chris, that's how you and I met, right? Like, stop curating and start creating. And um, so, John Lee Dumas, am I saying his name right? Dumas. I don't think that's how he says it every time he introduces himself. I don't know. JLD is what he goes by. <laughs> yeah. But he actually says his name on the podcast that I listened to, which is called The Daily Refresh, which includes, well, first of all, it's only three minutes. So it is perfect for a daily thing. But it includes a quote, a an appreciation of gratitude and breathing. It's like a really great way to start your day, a really great way to end your day. Um, it's a really great way to be mindful of looking for little inspirations for gratitude that aren't. And, you know, it's not that I'm not grateful for the things that I have in my life, but a lot of times when I write in my gratitude journal or in the gratitude portion of my bullet journal, I include my family a lot. And like, he has different things to look at. So like, like one of them was pedicures and this other time it was coffee, the smell of coffee brewing. And then you do your equal breathing, which quite honestly, sometimes I skip. And, um, because I also meditate through a different app. Um, but it's a really nice way to spend under three minutes, um, just having a mindful moment where, you know, you're just kind of like, it's, it's a little bit of self-care with the quote and the gratitude and the, the five deep breaths. So I encourage you to check it out. However, I will tell you before my phone dies that right now I have one, two, three, four, five, six episodes of the daily refresh in my keep up folder because I was unable to keep up with the podcast that I listen to on a very regular basis. Like you talk about how you have your, um, your educational playlists. Like I have a playlist that's called keep up. And those are the ones that as soon as they drop, I listen to. And because his podcast is a daily podcast, it is something that I like to keep up with. But we did not pay for Wi-Fi on the ship intentionally. So the only times that I was able to download my podcast was um, when we were at a port of call that was in America. Back in episode 33, no, sorry, episode 32, that was just before summer break and Stacy 
always has a boatload of unlistened to podcasts, which I don't know. Were there more unlistened to podcasts on your phone or people on the boat? Maybe we can find out. Wow. But but let's get back into hey. our, let's get into the podcast PD time machine and let's go back ten weeks. So here we go. Ten weeks ago, Stacy, how many podcasts did you have not listened to? Stacy, take it away. Seventeen forty-nine. Oh my goodness. So Stacy, ten <laughs> weeks ago you had one thousand seven hundred and forty-nine unlistened to episodes on your phone. To which AJ and I decided we were going to do a little guessing game, uh, a la The Price is Right. So let's see what AJ and I said you would be at <laughs> 10 weeks ago. Take it away, boys. You said 750, AJ? I said 750? Yeah, you did. 750, I'm going to say 920. Ooh, wow. Big number still, Stacey. I know. Should so I give a number? No, no, you can't give it because you control it. There. <laughs> Seriously. All right, fine. My number is 1600. The end. Good night, everybody. All right. So 10 weeks ago, Stacy had 1,749 unlistened to episodes. And here we are 10 weeks later. AJ said you would have 750 unlistened to episodes. And I believe I said 920 unlistened to episodes. So, Stacy, how many unlistened Two episodes do you have on your phone now? After deleting an entire back catalog of several podcasts, several, mind you, that had like hundreds in them, I am at a very low number of 1724. Oh, my goodness. What? You made no progress. I made no progress. I added things. And can I tell you, I even like unsubscribed from things and the plane ride to Seattle. I listened to a lot of things, but nope. So just to recap, 10 weeks ago, Stacy, where were you? 1749. 1749. Oh my goodness. And where are you now? <laughs> 1724. AJ, uh, what's the math on that? Ask the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 25. Yeah, that was sad. Oh my goodness. That was sad. And this is the reason I just stream my podcasts instead of playing them. See, like but that. if you stream them, you wouldn't be able to listen at all because I did not have Wi-Fi on the boat. Wi-Fi. Uh, that's why I have a big phone with lots of memory. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we're going to continue to encourage Stacy to actually listen to podcasts and not just collect them like Pokemon. Get out of a thousand. 1700. Look, I have 15 in my keep up folder because they wouldn't download. Just 1700 episodes. I know. I know. Maybe off the air. You guys can tell me which ones to get rid of. Okay. <laughs> nice. Anything you're not listening to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently is like 1,700 of them. You might have to hit the master reset 20. button. <gasps> Let me just tell you, though. Can I tell you guys something? Like, I literally write down the shows that I listen to on a daily basis, and I write down what my number is. That would be kind of funny to, like, look at that image. I write it down every single day. and oh, Sounds like you have it, something to tweet now. Ugh, all those pictures are... Uh, All those just numbers? Start, just start going forward, like on Instagram. Just here's where I'm at. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let uh, me tell you, I haven't been on Twitter in like a week and a half. 
almost that, two weeks. That, that's good. But you're back. Okay. All right. So before we get out of here, uh, we did get a little bit of listener feedback, and this came via DM on Twitter to at podcast PD, and it came from at STEM Roundtable, and they said, quote, you guys are great. I had a very fulfilling experience with my student teacher and still are friends with him today. You will figure it out as you go. Well, that's mostly for me now. <laughs> and uh, what they are like and where you will be able to help them. Appreciate all the good podcasting. Would I be able to get in on the Voxer group by chance? Thank you and keep up the good work. First, STEM Roundtable, thanks for reaching out to at Podcast PD on Twitter. Uh, we do accept DMs from anybody, so that's one way you all can send feedback and questions and comments to us. And uh, we will be reaching out. You gave me your Voxer name, and at the time you hear this, you will be in the Voxer group, which we are going to continue the Podcast PD Listener Club through the fall. So if you want to get in on it, it's still here. Reach out to us and we will uh, add you to the Voxer listening group and uh, things are going to change. We're going to announce those things shortly, but we're growing the community and we're glad that everybody who's in the group is a part of it. That's a really nice compliment. I also got um, some feedback from one of my work colleagues who sent me a text and he said, great episode of the podcast. You almost have me looking forward to going back. Almost. Nice golden girls drop. <laughs> so I that. thought that was really funny. Golden girls. <laughs> you guys were like so shocked. See, people like the golden girls. <laughs> no, I just, yeah. So Pete Shaughnessy, I love you. I can't wait to see you on Tuesday. Um, And then I shared with him the... um one of the episodes that we listened to in the podcast listening group so that it would you get shared him a little it outside the group. I did because <laughs> again, cool. <laughs> we have a texting relationship, which not everybody <laughs> has. And um, I shared with him episode 39 of focus three podcast with nice. Tim and Brian, where we talked about, um, about just the turning point in education. And we all agreed in the Voxer group that that was, um, kind of like a well it was a keynote speech but it was a keynote um, keynote presentation that kind of spoke to all of us on different levels so i thought in order to get him revved up and excited for this school year um i would share that with him especially since he sent me this feedback on the 16th of august so we still had a lot of summer left at that point absolutely very cool so, so i can see where he was lingering on his summer thoughts no problem glad, glad you enjoyed the episode and uh keep the feedback coming anything else guys i think that's it well boys it's getting late it's about eight o'clock seattle time and 11 o'clock our time and my boys are getting ready for their back to school bedtime so say good night christopher good night christopher say good night aj good night aj good night podcast pd Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com. You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me. You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessie.com. 
You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech, and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join. You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us. Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. I got turned off. I was looking at Stacey's typing. <laughs> I was like, I, what's going on here? <laughs> and I have no idea what I did. I just hit control H, which hides my screen. And I was like, oh, shit, that is just <laughs> I just saw the screen continuously change. I was like, what's going on? I'm sorry, Chris. I got totally distracted there. I'm sorry, Chris.